Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. It's here to answer the questions that you want answered and to train your horse to the best of your ability. On this podcast, we'll be looking at how to know what your horse's strengths and weaknesses are, how to analyse how your horse is going, and how to work out a name for the session. This is another podcast that coincides with my autumn winter clinic programme, so if you find this is something you want to work on, then please do message me. So the reason why I wanted to look at how to analyse our horse's strengths and weaknesses is because it's something that I know that I really struggled with. I would get on my horse and I would do exactly the same thing every single session and I'd just follow what my instructor told me to do the last time I'd had a lesson. The problem with this is that each horse is individual, they have their own brain and like us they have good and they have bad days. You might get on them one day and get everything you ever wanted straight away. And then you might get on them the next day and nothing just seems to go how you want it to. Knowing your horse's strengths and weaknesses is so important because it allows you to really understand your horse. You'll go into a training session already having a good idea of what your horse might find difficult or what it might find easy. And so you can spend your time off the horse thinking about strategies to support your horse and the things it finds difficult. And you can find exercises that might help with this. If you can do this off your horse, you'll be super prepared for a training session and won't have that moment where you go like, oh, he's just finding it difficult. They can't do it. Nothing I'm doing works. I'm not sure what to do. 
Instead, you can do research and use it if you need it. You can research interventions that you can put in place to help your horse. And then if you need them and your horse does find it difficult, you can call upon all that research that you've done and you can use it. And if you don't need it, then that's great because your horse has found something that you thought they'd struggle with really easy. And that's amazing. That shows that you're progressing. It shows that your training's paying off. From a trainer's perspective as well, it's so helpful to have a rider come in that can accurately say what their horse struggles with and what they're good at. It's not because instructors aren't good at noticing these things. It's more because what we see is such a small snapshot that we have to make a snap judgment on how your horse is going, what its weaknesses are, and then what we can do to improve it. When so many other variables could be contributing to how your horse is. If your horse is normally really relaxed, but for some reason, let's say they travelled really badly this time, your trainer might then work for 30 minutes on getting you and your horse to relax, when normally relaxation isn't a problem and it's actually one of your strengths. So instead of wasting your money and your time as well, you can tell your instructor what you think your weaknesses are. And they might agree with you or they might disagree with you. But then you can agree on an aim for the lesson from there. So I've blabbered on then about how important it is. So let's actually get into how we work it out then. When looking at the strengths and weaknesses of our horses, I want to break it down into overall and then day to day. Our horse's strengths and weaknesses overall are a bit easier to determine, but sometimes it's really difficult to understand the difference between a strength for you as the rider and a strength for your horse. Especially if you've been riding the same horse for years, your strengths might kind of like merge together. So, for example, if you find the right rein easier, your horse probably will too. It's much easier for professionals who are riding multiple horses a day and then can easily differentiate and see what one horse finds easier than another but think about what does your horse come into the arena and find easy every single time that you school it might be that your horse goes round really easily and you find it easy to make them soft or it might be that they are really forward and you rarely have to touch them with your leg it's really important to celebrate these strengths and use them in your training. When things go wrong, I always like to go back to something I know my horse will find easy and then use that to reset into a more positive mindset for both of us. Or it might be that everything always feels easier on one rein. Most people will find their horses are better on one rein than another. So if you're trying something new, I always like to try it on the easier rein first so the horse has more chance of understanding it and achieving it. When we instead then look at the day-to-day version of this, you've got to come at it with an idea of your horse's overall strengths and weaknesses. But the difficult part of doing this is making sure that you don't have a predetermined idea of what your horse is going to be like. What I mean by this is you can know that your horse finds, let's say, taking the contact really difficult. But you've also got to acknowledge that your horse is, is in training. And you're working to improve this problem. And it might be that your contact might not be a problem today. By doing this, you wait till you're on the horse, warmed up and have picked them up 
before you assess how they're feeling. And the important bit is you're assessing how they're feeling today. Don't think just because they found it difficult yesterday that they're going to find it difficult today. I can promise you, though, if you expect your horse to be... Oh, no, let's let's stay with the difficult in the contact. If you expect your horse to be difficult in the contact, they definitely will be. Because you'll go in riding your horse saying, come on, take the rein, let's go, you've got to get into the contact. And your horse is there going, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and you see it, you see it the same thing when you get um, nervous riders and they get on a horse and because the rider jumps at a bird flying out, then the horse does too. Or if a rider is really tense, then the horse is generally really tense too. And so I can give you so many more examples, but the bottom line is, in dressage, we teach our horses to be influenced by us, to follow us and to follow our aids. So why do we expect them to just follow the aids that we intentionally have given them? We must give so many more aids completely unintentionally and subconsciously. The great, wonderful Gareth Hughes who I promise you I will quote and requote a lot on here because not only is he a fantastic rider, but he has this amazing ability to just explain things in a way that just makes sense. And he said to me once when I was having a proper massive teenage strop, he said, you've either trained him wrong and he doesn't understand what you want or you're giving him the wrong aids now. It's plain and simple, it's one or the other. And it's so true. I think it's very easy to forget that sometimes we create aids that we don't mean to or we aren't black and white enough with our training and so we confuse our horses or we can confuse our horses by not being consistent. But at the end of the day, it's always our fault. If it's not working, it's our fault because we are the trainers of the horses and we are the riders of the horses. So back to the topic then. When you get on, how do you analyse how your horse actually feels? The first step is to get them to warm up without um, you constantly stressing and thinking, how are they feeling? Just have a warm-up routine that you do day to day, day in, day out, that you know gets their body in the right place, but also gets their brain in the right place. If you're unsure how to do this, I have a podcast all about creating a warm-up plan. I think it's episode two. Um, so I'd definitely go and give that one a listen first. But once they've warmed up, give them a break and then pick them up again and run through a couple of checks. I like to call them checks because I almost imagine I'm like ticking off a checklist on how they feel. So I start with step one, which is, are they forward and do I have impulsion? And to check this, I'll do a couple of transitions and just think about whether they were off my leg, whether when I put the aid on, they shot forwards. And if this is a problem or you're unsure of this, the last podcast I did was all about getting your horse in front of the leg. So that's a good one to watch. If that all feels good, then you can move on to step two. Do they feel soft and relaxed? To do this, I'll check if they're round, whether their mouth feels soft and whether they feel still in the contact. If all that feels good, then I'll move on to step three. Do they feel supple? And to do this, I'll do a bit of flexing left and right, and they should stay soft in the mouth and round. 
I might then add in like a couple of circles or serpentines just to make it a bit more difficult. Or for the more advanced horses, I might do a couple of shoulder ins or chaves or leg yields. Then step four, this one is just for the advanced horses, but it's do I have collection? And to check this, I'll do a couple of transitions within the paces, bringing the horse back to a collected frame and expecting them to sit on their bums and push from behind. If I get to any step and think, ah, that, that doesn't feel quite right, then this is your aim. This is what I will work on. All these parts, step one, impulsion, step two, your relaxation slash your contact, step three, suppleness, and step four, collection, are what I think of as the scales of training for the way of going. Obviously, they make up some of the scales of training, but it helps for me to break it down in my head. If you have these, you'll get the rhythm, you'll get that flow, and you'll get that rolling forward feeling, which just feels amazing. If I get to stage four and think that all felt good, and I've got to stage four and still feel like I've still got step one, two, and three, I'll give myself and my horse a damn good pat on the back and think how bloody awesome we all are, um, because that in itself is really good. And then I'll move on to focusing on what I call the test scales of training. And these are your straightness and your accuracy. So this is when I focus on parts of a test or test lines and seeing if I can keep my step one, two, three and four from the last time whilst I'm doing a centre line or a shoulder in or a counter pirouette. By doing this, you will eventually pick up an area where you think, ah, that didn't, that didn't feel good. And then it's just about assessing what's wrong with it. This is the part, though, that I think a lot of people struggle with, is working out what is causing it to go wrong. And this is when that four-step scales of way of going is amazing, because all you've got to do is go back onto your 20-metre circle and work your way through it again. Are they forward? Are they soft? Is it supple? Can I collect? And if one of those things is wrong then that is the thing you work on. And then when it's right, you reapply it, put it back into your movement or your test line. As an example then, if you find you've gone through um, all the steps, all feels good, and then you attempt, um, let's say, an across the diagonal walk-trot transition, and your horse completely drops off your leg and skids to a halt, you then go back on your 20-metre circle and run through, have I got the forwards, have I got the suppleness and the contact, have I got the suppleness and then have I got the collection? Generally, it will probably be the forwards for a transition. Um, so you can then focus on your step one. But if you have the problem that you think, actually, that all felt quite good. Then you've just got to think what the difference is between you getting on a 20 metre circle and you getting it across a diagonal. For the horse, the only difference is that it's a straight line. So maybe instead you can work on your way of going on the straight line. Then all you need to do is just apply that same method on your straight lines and then take it across onto your diagonal. So what can you do now then? The first thing I want you to do is to write down your horse's strengths and weaknesses as a whole. What do they generally find easy and what do they generally find difficult? Second one then is to establish that warm-up plan. And if you don't have one yet, 
listen to my previous podcast to help you come up with one because it is completely life-changing for both you and your horse to have a really solid warm-up plan that you know works. Number three then is when you're on your horse on that day, work your way through those four step scales of training for your way of going. And then if all goes well, work your way through the test scales. As soon as you come across that moment where you think, ah, that didn't feel right, that is your goal for the session. If you get through all of this and you feel like you've gone through your four step scales of training and it all went amazingly, you've then gone through your two step test scales of training and that's gone amazing, then that's probably a moment where I would suggest you go to your instructor, either to get a different perspective on something that you could work on. Um, It might be that you're not challenging yourself enough in the collection, step four, or it might be that you're not challenging yourself with the impulsion, or maybe it might be even that you need to introduce some more movements and maybe pop up a level. Either way, analysing your horse does take practice, but the more you do it, the better you get. The most important thing, though, is to never get on your horse presuming your horse is going to be good or bad at something. By all means, prepare for your horse to find something difficult, but you can never presume they'll find something difficult. Otherwise, you will just ride them as if they're going to find it difficult. They will damn well find it difficult. So I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please do share it with anyone you think it might help. And please do leave a review as it helps more people to see it. And hopefully it will be of some help to them too. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast and I'll see you guys next time. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.